I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It covers college basketball for ESPN. It's the great Jeff Borzello making the big interview. Award-winning writers, athletes, coaches, the biggest names in sports. It's the Gary Parish Show Big Interview on 92.9 FM ESPN. Borzello, before we get to what you saw last night at Madison Square Garden, and I know that Memphis is unranked and has been all season and is largely off of the national radar, um, but if you've seen Memphis at all this season, it's uh, a, a bit of a – uh, a lesser roster, but perhaps a better team. They don't have an obvious NBA draft pick like they have in most years under Penny Hardaway, but they are currently 7-2, and two, top 30 at Ken Palm. Again, if you've seen Memphis at all, what do you make of, of what you've seen so far? I mean, they're old. Like, they're really old. And in a, in a college basketball, I guess, landscape where, you know, Everyone, you know, the the teams are turning away from kind of starting five freshmen, and only I guess we'll get to Duke in a little bit. But <laughs> um, you know, you really want to be old nowadays, and Memphis is going to be older and more experienced than pretty much every team they play, and that's going to be worth something down the stretch. I mean, Penny's doesn't have to deal with kind of trying to integrate a couple of freshmen and guys that are coming in with huge reputations from high school. He's he's got guys that have been around the block. They know what college basketball is about. They know what they want. A lot of them, a lot of these guys are on kind of their final, uh, you know, the last three months playing college basketball. Um, and so I kind of get that hunger a little bit uh, when watching them. I mean, Kendrick Davis came in and, and he's, uh, you know, he's been as, as good as advertised, I guess, but he's also kind of bought into, hey, I don't need to take, you know, 25 shots every game. And DeAndre Williams has been great. And that's kind of the, the other thing is that over the past couple of years, when Memphis has been good, DeAndre Williams has been good. The team has run through him. The offense has run through him. And, you know, against Mississippi, he got, I think, 15 or 16 shots, which is what he needed. He's been distributing really, really well. Um, so I think that the the fact that Davis has come in, but him and Williams have kind of coexisted and it's worked a lot better the past two or three weeks, um, I think that's been a good sign. So I just think that, um, you know, a bunch of old players learning how to play together for their final three or four months of college basketball. I think it just kind of lends itself to a hunger um, that they're going to have that a lot of other teams won't have. Next up for Memphis is Saturday's game down in Atlanta against Auburn. Auburn is undefeated, 8-0, ranked 11th in the AP poll, but no notable wins so far. Best win is maybe a home win over a St. Louis team that just got blasted last night by Iona. Do you have a sense for how good Auburn is at this point? It's really hard to tell. I mean, the, the, you know, you meant the, the Northwestern game, I and mean, they scored 43 points. And that's, that's probably their best win or second best win of the season, um, which is, you know, maybe a little bit of a dubious sign. Um, the, the issue I have with Auburn is kind of the same issue as last year is that, um, you know, Wendell Green and Katie Johnson are 
they have the ball in their hands a lot, uh, especially down the stretch of games. And, uh, you know, neither player is overly trustworthy uh, to make the right decision. And last year, those decisions were to not pass the ball to Jabari Smith or Walker Kessler. I mean, you know, they just flat out forgot those two players existed for long stretches of games. And now they don't have those type of players, and Wendell Green and Katie Johnson are still going to be, you know, the heavy usage, high usage guys. So I'm just kind of concerned for Auburn in terms of, all right, when they get into the meat and potatoes of the season, you know, what are those two guys going to do? Are they going to go out and shoot 15, 20 times a game and uh, not get other guys involved? Uh, you know, I just, and again, I mean, hey, maybe it works out. We just haven't really seen it yet. Like you mentioned, they, have, they don't have any notable wins. Um, so I, that's kind of the one thing I'm watching. And, and again, you know, talking about going against Memphis, this is it's Auburn's a team that they are experienced, but they also have guys that are coming in looking to prove themselves. I just think Memphis might be more together at this point. Talking to Jeff Porcello from ESPN. He's on Twitter at Jeff Porcello. Last night you were at the Garden for doubleheader Jimmy V. Game one, an upset. Illinois 85, Texas 78. Texas actually led this game by double digits, as you know, with less than eight minutes to play. Then Illinois you know, goes on a 22-12 to run to close regulation, force overtime. And then Terrence Shannon, the transfer uh, from Texas Tech, just really took over in those extra five minutes, scored 12 of Illinois' 17 points uh, to push Illinois past Texas and give Chris Beard his first loss of the season. Uh, did you learn more from Illinois or Texas last night? I think Illinois. Um, I was you know, not really sold on them going into the year. Uh, you know, I think they were probably 25 or something in my preseason rankings, and I just still wasn't sold on them going into last night. And then, as you mentioned, I mean, Texas looked like they were going to pull away. Um, you know, they should have won it in regulation. I mean, they had to lead in the final minute. And it just it kind of opened my eyes. As, you know, Brad Underwood's got a lot of guys. Um, you know, he might have two draft picks in Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon. And, you know, Matthew Meyer was considered an NBA prospect when he was at Baylor a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, he's got a really good freshman class, or at least really underrated freshman class. Uh, you know, Jaden Epps came in and had 11 points. Sincere Harris played really good defense. He's just got a lot of dudes, and he mentioned that after the game. He said, you know, I don't know who's going to score, who's going to contribute on a given night, but um, it's coming from somewhere. And and last night it was, you know, there was a four-minute stretch where Dane Danger was the guy, and there was a four-minute stretch where Jaden Epps was making plays, and Meyer was awesome in the first half. Um, so it just it kind of opened my eyes a little bit as to, you know, it's a really balanced team. They have a, a guy in Terrence Shannon who can take over a game as he showed in overtime after, you know, being kind of MIA for the first 40 minutes. Um, so, I, you know, I think they are a legitimate top 15, Big Ten title contender type of team. I think Texas is, is fine. I do think that some of their offensive issues that we've seen, uh, you know, that we saw last year, I think that kind of came to the forefront again late, um, where it was a lot of Marcus Carr dribbling or Tyrese Hunter dribbling and not, you know, not really finding any space to create and guys not moving. So um, I think they'll be fine, but I do think Illinois um, is, is a lot better than I thought they were. In the nightcap uh, at the Garden last night, uh, Duke beat Iowa 74-62. So year one of John Shire, we're 11 games into it. Duke is 9-2. and two. The losses are to Kansas and Purdue. Uh, nothing embarrassing there. They've got three top 30 Ken Palm wins over Iowa, Ohio State, and Xavier. Uh, how do you think John Shire's first season replacing Coach K is going so far? I think it's going uh, probably according to schedule. Um, I mean, I guess going into the year, I would not have thought they would lose to Purdue by 19 points, but Purdue might be, you know, the best team in the country at this point. Um, the, I had some concerns a couple of weeks ago. I just didn't think that they had a guy who could take over a game 
And, you know, I think a team, especially with young players, needs someone like that. But I think Jeremy Roach, as as many issues as he's had the past couple of years in terms of shooting the ball, and, you know, he was coming off the bench for most of last season. He showed last night he can be a guy. He can make shots from the perimeter. He can get to the rim. He's tough. He's physical. Uh, and I think that was a really good sign for them moving forward. The other thing is that the freshman class, besides Kyle Filipowski, kind of got off to an inconsistent at best start. And I do think they're kind of figuring some things out. I mean, Derek Lively didn't play well last night, but it, it does look like uh, they practiced throwing the ball to him somewhere near the vicinity of the rim so he can just go catch it and dunk it and then block shots at the other end. He doesn't really need to do much besides that. Uh, Dariq Whitehead's getting healthy. Mark Mitchell's looked good the past couple of games. Tyrese Proctor's made plays. So for a really young team with a first-year head coach, I think they're probably going according to schedule. Uh, and given the struggles of the ACC, they might be able to rack up a lot of kind of easy, cheap wins along the way as the freshman class kind of gets old, gets older and more used to, to college basketball. So I think they're, they looked really, really good last night. And if Jeremy Roach plays like that, you know, it's a top 10-ish team in the country. You mentioned Derek Lively. For people who are unfamiliar, this is a five-star freshman who at one point was ranked the number one player in his high school class. And I think probably in some recruiting rankings finished either number one or or close to it. Uh, so far this season, he's been, you know, he, he's shown um, – He's made little impact. Let's just keep it at that. Do you think, and again, it's early December. We could be talking in January, and he's flipped a switch, and he's unbelievable and overwhelming. But if you were guessing right now, do you think he's just a role player on this Duke team? I think so. I mean, he was was ESPN's number one recruit in the the class. Um, I don't know. I don't know how that looks at this point, but there's still a long way to go. But, like, it's, it's, I mean, through one month of the season, you could make a very, very easy argument. He's the fourth best post player that Duke has. Uh, you know, Filipowski's been terrific, and Mark Mitchell's been really, really good lately. Ryan Young, um, you know, he's, he was an experienced offensive rebounder post-scorer at Northwestern, and he's doing the same thing at Duke. Um, and when you have those three guys playing the majority of the minutes, and on the perimeter you have Roach and Whitehead and Proctor playing a lot of minutes, it's just, you know, is Lively going to get more than 15 minutes for, for most of the season? And right now you'd say no. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of pretty, you know, it's pretty alarming for a – projected lottery pick, top three recruit, you know, regardless of service. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I guess it's a little bit concerning. But, again, I mean, he has shown flashes the past couple of weeks. You know, again, he does, they don't need, really need him to do much besides, you know, run to the rim, catch lobs, and then block shots at the other end. Uh, he didn't do that last night. He got into foul trouble pretty quickly and, and didn't really make an impact. But um, the other thing you have to consider is he had an injury in preseason, missed a lot of, you know, October practice. And so I think that kind of contributed to the slow start. But if I'm John Shire, I'm looking at Ryan Young and Mark Mitchell and Filipowski and saying, hey, you guys are bringing me more right now. You're going to get more minutes at this point. Talking to Jeff Borzello from ESPN. He's on Twitter, at Jeff Borzello. I want to bounce around with you a little bit. If you'd have asked me in the preseason to predict the national champion, I would have said, I don't know, Gonzaga, North Carolina, Houston. Give me, give me one of those teams. If you were to ask me today – I would say I'm less sold on Gonzaga, less sold on North Carolina, um, but all in on Houston. Kelvin Sampson's team still looking for a big signature win, but the Cougars are ranked number one in the AP poll. Uh, They are number one at Ken Palm, and they seem to check every box you need to win a national championship. Experience, great coach, NBA talent, a five-star freshman. Are you a believer in Houston to that extent? Yeah, I think they have the highest floor of any team in the country. 
Uh, I mean, I don't know if they have the, a ceiling of a an Arkansas or a Duke just because of the NBA talent, but you know, it's it's they barely get out of you know second gear against some of these teams. I mean, the game against Oregon. I know Oregon hasn't been as good as we thought, but they seem to just go through the motions, and that was a double digit win on the road uh, at a Pac-12 team. Like it's just they seem to know who they are. You know, every night they're going to grab offensive rebounds. They're going to defend, and you know, at worst, that's that's good enough to win probably 25 games this season and, and win at least two or three games in the tournament. The difference with this season's team is like they have a lot of offensive weapons. That's something that Kelvin Sampson hasn't really had the past couple of years, which is a good sign considering they made the Elite Eight and Final Four the last two years. So you know, you have Marcus Sasser; he seems to be healthy. Um, you know, Therese Walker, the the five star freshman, Terrence Arsenault is another top 100 recruit that looks like he's a player offensively. They just have a lot of weapons. And, you know, I think they can kind of stack up favorably to any team in the country when you go, you know, put your best five against somebody else's best five. They're going to have, you know, more talent than most teams. And then you throw in that toughness, that rebounding, that defense, plus Kelvin Sampson's coaching. Uh, you know, I just think it's it, – I'm, I'm with you. Like, I'm, I'm all in. If I had to pick a national champion today, I'd probably pick them. Uh, you mentioned Arkansas. Nick Smith, the – you know, one of three McDonald's All-Americans, but the most heralded McDonald's All-American in Arkansas's recruiting class. Missed time early, but he's now back. Uh, was 6 of 14 from the field last night, 22 points, 4 rebounds in a blowout. Not really a blowout. It was 65-58, a win over UNC Greensboro. Um you 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 noted how Arkansas has a high ceiling. A lot of that is obviously tied to Nick Smith. I had friends who are Arkansas fans who were concerned about his you know very notable absence from some early season games. But it looks like everything's fine in Fayetteville now. Yeah, I mean, I guess the missed practice time that I I blamed for Lively's so slow start hasn't really impacted Nick <laughs> Smith at all. Um, it's funny. I mean, Musselman Eric Musselman seemed to say that he was going to kind of ease. Smith into the equation, and he throws him out last night for 39 minutes. So I guess he's 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 all the way back. He's all the way healthy. But he I mean, he does he he raises the ceiling of that team. Um, you know, he just gives him a guy. He's he's you know one of the best offensive players in the country. He was probably the best offensive player uh, in the 2022 recruiting class across the country. And you know, Anthony Black was great early. Ricky Council can get buckets. You know, Trevon Brazil has had a breakout. I don't know every other game. I guess I would say. But Nick Smith is just, he's a legitimate go-to guy. He's great for himself, great for others. And, and he brings kind of perimeter shot-making ability, which not a lot of guys in Arkansas can do right now. And so I just, you know, if they play to their potential, and obviously there's three months or whatever until Selection Sunday, it's a long way to go. But I just think he kind of raises their ceiling to national title contention um, if, if all the pieces fit. Wrapping up here with Jeff Porzello from ESPN. Last thing before I let you go, a lot of Mississippi State graduates in this market. Uh, the Bulldogs under first-year coach Chris Jans are, are eight and zero. They don't have big wins, but they did, you know, beat the Marquette team that that blasted Baylor, beat the Utah team that blasted Arizona, eight and zero up to twenty-fifth at Ken Palm after starting the season at fifty-third. Is it possible? I know it's possible. Let's say, is it probable? that Chris Jan is going to have an NCAA tournament team in his first season in Starkville. I think so. Uh, you know, you mentioned they haven't, they haven't you know, had any really resume-boosting wins yet, and they probably won't get that until SEC play. But, you know, there's a very, very good chance they're going to go to SEC play 12-0. Uh, you know, their toughest non-conference game left, I guess, would be, I know besides the TCU game in late January, it's probably Drake on a neutral site. Like, they should win that game. They should go into Alabama after Christmas at 12-0. 
And so, you know, you really only have to go probably, what, 10 and 8 in SEC play to make the tournament. And I think that they're, you know, defensively, they're, they're elite. I mean, they're top 10 in the country defensively right now. Um, you know, they're another old team. They have a lot of former transfers. Tolu Smith's been around the program. He's having a great year. Um, it's just, you know, Chris Jans, you know, as you know, he's, you know, coaches and people in the industry have kind of perceived him as one of the best coaches or most underrated coaches in the country for a long time. And, you know, he's come in with a, a team that had talent that just didn't kind of live up to it the past couple of years, added a few pieces. And, you know, right off the bat, they're just, they're just high, high level defensively. And, uh, you know, given what they've done so far, they're rebounding really, really well. I mean, it's, you know, we talked about what Kelvin Sampson's Houston team does defensively and on the glass. And Mississippi State is kind of mirroring that in terms of toughness and physicality. And then you combine that with experience and a really good coach. And, you know, I just think that they are on track. I mean, they're top 25 team right now. And barring a collapse once SEC play starts, they're going to be in the tournament. That is Jeff Porzello from ESPN. Make sure you're reading him, ESPN.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Porzello. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Dan, for having me on. All right. That's Jeff Porzello from ESPN. The Chris Jan story um, is interesting for people who might be unfamiliar. This is a guy who has worked in junior colleges and, and – and been a longtime assistant coach. He's is his career um, trajectory is very similar to Steve Forbes's in a in a lot of way. Just a, a basketball guy through and through that has worked who has worked at, at every level of of the sport. And then you know back in 2014, after he had been. Uh, an assistant coach at Wichita State um, for Greg Marshall for a significant period of time. He got the head coaching job at, at, at Bowling Green. And people were like, he's going to be great at Bowling Green. And he was. Like in this first year, he won 21 games. And then he had a off-the-court incident in a bar. You can Google it if you want to. And it, it, it cost him his job. And it was like, man, is, is Jans ever going to make it back? And – you know, there was no obvious answer to to that question. Greg Marshall rehired him at Wichita State, and you know the way I understood that is that, you know, I know Greg Marshall's career really went sideways um, for you know reasons that you can also Google, and he's no longer the coach at Wichita State or anywhere. But my understanding of that whole situation is that. You know, Marshall didn't know if he could bring Chris Jans back on staff after the incident at Bowling Green. And Steve Forbes and, and some others who were close to Jans and close to Greg, like, reached out to, to, to Greg Marshall and said, you've got to help him now. He, he, he helped you for a long time. He needs you now. And you have the power on your campus to push this through. Like, not everybody could have hired Chris Jans in that moment, but there are certain coaches who have so much power on a campus that they can push some things through that maybe some other people can't push through. And at that time, in that moment, Greg Marshall was that guy at Wichita State. So he brought him back to Wichita State, and Jans spent a couple years there, you know, as like a, a special assistant to the head coach. And then he got the New Mexico State job when it opened in 2017 to restart his Division One head coaching career and just absolutely killed it at New Mexico State. In five years there, 
went 122-32. and 32. He won the league, the Western Athletic Conference, four out of the five years he was there. Finished third in the other year. Made the NCAA tournament three out of the past four times we held an NCAA tournament. And when it became clear that Ben Hallam wasn't going to get another year at Mississippi State, uh, the obvious candidate for that Mississippi State job was Chris Jans because people assumed he would he was just perfect for that job. Like if there's a, a, a really high-level basketball coach who could flourish in Starkville, Mississippi – uh, Christian seemed to be that guy, and boy, he is off to an incredible start. 8-0, uh, top 25 at Ken Palm. I've actually got Mississippi State in the top 10 of my top 25 and 1 because, again, they don't have any big, big wins, but they are 8-0 with a win over the Marquette team that beat Baylor by a million, and that Baylor team went on to beat Gonzaga, has also beaten UCLA, couldn't beat Marquette, and Mississippi State did. And then they've also got Mississippi State a win over Utah. That's a Utah team that blasted an Arizona team that won the Maui Invitational. So, as always, time will tell. We'll see if this is real or not. I actually was texting with Jans this weekend, and he was like, you know, he he said, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't quite, just like every other coach, doesn't quite know how good they are right now or how good they can be. But he likes his team. And, of course, DJ Jeffries is a prominent part of that team, former Tiger um, is having a nice uh, a season and, and among the reasons that Mississippi State is off to this 8-0 start. So uh, that's a, another college basketball story worth following. Uh, I know the Ben Howland thing never really worked out the way a lot of people, myself included, thought that it would. But this Chris Jans thing is is working tremendously so far. And you know Mississippi State's next game, if you're interested, it is Sunday on the road. Big Ten country. They're going to play Minnesota. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.